the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. It's always great to catch up with our friend Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. We start every Friday final hour with Jack. And if you go to his site, theohiopressnetwork.com, you'll find a ton of headlines that are uh, really about what I think most conservatives care about. They do a great job of covering it. You can follow Jack on Twitter, at Jack Windsor. Let's start with what's below the radar on most people's minds. They're focused on who the Speaker of the House is in Washington. But as it concerns their lives, Jack... The Speaker of the House here in Columbus, uh, I think, has more impact. And the new one is Derek Marin, a Republican, of course, supermajority for Republican. They gained in the state house in the midterms. What do you know about Derek Marin, your impressions of him, and what is gain or lost for the conservative cause out there in terms of these cultural issues like House Bill 616 and House Bill 454, which are related to the whole gender ideology and indoctrination? Is this a gain for people who want to see those things enacted, the backpack bill enacted? What's your read on Derek Marin? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for choosing me, Bruce. It's always an honor to be here with you and the Answer family. You know, Derek Marin was a boy wonder, basically. He was elected mayor of Waterville at age 21. Uh, he's now 36 years old. He's a realtor, real estate investor, first elected to his seat in 2016. And some people were taken back by the fact that he was named uh, House Speaker, uh, voted by a vote, of course, uh, through the Republican caucus. Phil Plummer had been vying for that position for maybe a year and a half or more. My read on Derek Maron, I've had a chance to interview him in the past. I was delighted when he actually picked up the phone yesterday. You know, when I call, sometimes people aren't always excited to talk to me. So <laughs> that, You know what? That's where I'm at with Pickerington North. They won't answer my questions about this woke musical they're doing tonight. That's when you know yep. as a reporter you're doing your job is when they won't call you back. That's right. That's exactly right. Or, or yeah, they won't pick up the phone. He yep. So he picked up the phone and he said, look, I've gotten 300 texts. I wanted to make sure I, I took your call. I was really proud. He said some really nice things about the team here at the Ohio Press Network. We agreed to an interview after Thanksgiving. And the whole reason I tell you that is I'm going to ask him some hard questions about, you know, during our one-on-one about parents' rights, about protecting girls in schools, uh, about some of the transgender surgery bills. I think the one is the Save Adolescents from Experimentation Surgeries, and really get his read on it. Now, if you want my gut take, this is just my opinion. Derek Maron is a conservative, and I think what it means for the conservative movement is, you know, when you're in that speaker position, you have some... uh, arrows in your quiver, right? You can get things out of committee if you want them out of committee. You can get them on the floor and you can jockey votes for or against a a certain piece of legislation or a movement. And all signs point to the fact that if you're concerned about parents' rights, if you're concerned about girls' rights, if you're concerned 
about uh, what some people would call these cultural war issues, I think Derek Maron is probably a lot closer to the conservative, not just Republican, but the conservative side of the Republican Party than he is, you know, moderate or left-leaning. Well, that dovetails with what I've heard from uh, conservative members of the House. They were happy to see his elevation, and they're not sad to see Bob Cup go into retirement. So it's interesting to hear that you're take on him is the same as what I have heard. We're talking with Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network. Follow them at theohiopressnetwork.com. Jack is on Twitter at Jack Windsor. So let's stay in that realm, the whole gender identity stuff, transgenderism, LGBTQ. We've talked and talked and talked about this state board of education resolution pushed by Brendan Shea of London, which is just common sense. Men are men, women are women. So you keep them separate in the bathrooms, locker rooms. And it's been on this kind of perpetual, uh, you know, how can we ignore it? How can we push it? How can we kick it down the road thing? Where does it stand with the State Board of Education? Is it dead? And uh, what do you foresee on the horizon? Yeah, so some things happened early last week. Number one, the Ohio School Boards Association, they met actually last Saturday through Tuesday. And really, that's continuing education for state board members. And some of the language that is in the Shea resolution, which, by the way, I think you teed it up great, but just as a reminder, it protects parents' rights. And it says, you know, schools shouldn't be able to talk to kids about things without parents knowing about them. Uh, and it also protects girls and women, which, by the way, that's what Title IX was initially created to do. Yes, sir. And some of the things going on in schools now uh, can take away scholarships. They can put girls in compromising privacy situations, uh, and, and the list goes on. But th- there really is not not an appetite with the Ohio School Boards Association to put parents' rights on their legislative agenda when, when they're lobbying lawmakers, which is shocking to me, uh, but maybe it's not. <laughs> the State Board of Education kicked the can down the road again this week, too. Uh, Shea's resolution had some amendments uh, by Mike Toll, and really my understanding is that Toll's changes just shortened what Shea was trying to put out. And the Board of Education, they, what they voted on was, is this an emergency issue that we need to decide today? And they said no. So it gets kicked to December. Here's the challenge with kicking it to December, Bruce. Three uh, left-leaning board members will assume the, their new positions, I believe, in January. So if this is not decided in, in December, then that board will be decidedly left-leaning come January. And I think that it's dead. I think it's done. So our focus was on uh, a, a bill that was introduced by Senator Bill Reinecke, uh, Senate Bill 178. And it's really a placeholder. It will get fleshed out more this week, I'm told, uh, and throughout uh, the beginning of December. But what that does is it, it seeks to defang the State Board of Education and creates um, a new position appointed by the governor. And the person in that position has more power to decide curricula issues and, and things that we're squabbling over right now. So it will be interesting to see if that bill gets traction and how far it gets along in this lame duck session. Our guest is Jack Windsor. Follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor. Distinguished himself and his site, theohiopressnetwork.com, with his reporting on COVID. And we're happy to have him here on the Bruce Hooley Show. So we look forward now, of course, to the next election. We can't wait for the next election. 2024, we'll have a presidential election, of course. But we'll have a Senate election in the state of Ohio. And the presumption is Frank LaRose, the current Secretary of State, is either going to run for governor to succeed Mike DeWine or he's going to run for Senator. So I was interested yesterday, he's getting out front on an issue about how to amend the state constitution. What's the proposal? Is it something that, I mean, obviously if it passes, he's 
it's going to be, you know, part of his resume in 2024. Yeah. Is that why he did it? Because he feels like it will ingratiate him to the voting block that he needs to win if he wants to defeat Sherrod Brown in 2024, should he run or win governor? So my gut reaction is yes. I think it's part of a, a resume building um, effort, just like, you know, Matt Dolan put out a, a gun legislation piece earlier in the year, which I think kind of unofficially started his announcement for the run for Sherrod Brown's seat in 24. Yes, I think this does do that. Uh, Frank LaRose had a press conference yesterday with Representative Stewart. They talked about what they really want to do is simple. They want to make sure that if there's going to be an amendment to the Constitution, that it has to be approved by 60 percent of the voters, not 50 percent, but 60 percent, you know, that super majority. Yeah. because, fr- frankly, let's face it, there are a lot of outside interests that are trying to come in and change the Ohio Constitution. I think the most recent one that we would point to is redistricting. And depending on which side of the political aisle you're on, uh, some people say, well, oh my gosh, this state is gerrymandered. And other people go, well, no, not really. It's just reflective of voter preference. So issues like that, uh, amendments to the Constitution, um, I think the idea is that, that the mob has no regard sometimes for unintended consequences. And this pumps the brakes on things that become uh, constitutional changes in our state. And so LaRose wrote, r- rolled that out. Uh, this is an amendment. Uh, so it will, uh, you know, need, interestingly, it'll only need 50% of the vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> but, interesting. Um, yeah, it will, it will be decided, I believe, in May of 2023 in a special election. Okay, you mentioned the name Matt Dolan. We're close to wrapping up here, and uh, he did well in the uh, Senate primary, but still he was third. He finished behind two guys who were decidedly more MAGA than he is. He's not MAGA at all. Uh, I don't think he... Uh, he would be a man. He, you talk about a hold your nose and vote thing. If you're a conservative, and I know you guys aren't, you're down the middle. But for me, a guy who is uh, a co-sponsor of an LGBTQ friendly bill in the Ohio Senate is not exactly who I want to see as the Republican nominee for Senate against Sherrod Brown. But he's definitely running and he definitely used this primary uh, this past May as I think the jumping off point. So people could say, oh, that's Matt Dolan. OK, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I think some people question his Second Amendment loyalties. They question his his position on life, his his position on the cultural issue of LGBTQ plus. But he sent a letter to 88 county chairman uh, right after the general election and said, hey, thanks for all your support. I'm going to be reaching out to you in the coming days regarding 2023 and 2024. Um, We need to align forces to beat Sherrod Brown. So that to me. Was him, was him saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, what will be interesting is he's not going to be the only one. I think Bernie Moreno, who was in last time, will be in. I think Frank LaRose will be in. Uh, I also believe Warren Davidson, Congressman Warren Davidson from out west, is looking at this, as people said, we're looking at it. And then, uh, you know, Josh Mandel, this would be his fourth time around. But I think he's also in the discussion. So this is probably going to, as uh, Mike Gibbons, who ran last time, uh, you know, a billionaire investment banker from Cleveland said, it will be another expensive fiasco. So I expect it's going to be another five or six person race where they bludgeon each other, spend a lot of money and then come out. And, you know, frankly, if that's the case, uh, if you're a conservative, you have to be concerned that that only uh, advantages uh, Sherrod Brown in 24. No doubt. As always, Jack, great analysis. We appreciate you joining us. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. That could be a race I'd sit out totally. Matt Dolan, Sherrod Brown. I'm not going to vote for a Democrat, and those are the only two choices I have if those two guys are running.
I know none of you will be shocked, as I am not shocked. But for pretty much my entire morning on Wednesday and Thursday, I tried to get a comment out of somebody at Pickerington North High School about the performance tonight and over the weekend of the musical Kinky Boots. A friend of mine sent me a YouTube video of one of the musical numbers from Kinky Boots, which is a story that glorifies a drag queen who convinces the owner of a shoe factory to save his shoe factory by narrowing their production line from, you know, shoes to nothing but kinky boots that will support the weight of a man pretending to be a woman as a drag queen. Yeah, I don't know. I never owned a shoe factory, but I'm thinking that would be a little bit of a narrow marketing window. Although, although, with a number of drag queens proliferating out there, maybe not. Maybe not. So a high school theater department performing a movie that glorifies drag queens, I find objectionable, and I would bet a lot of parents in the Pickerington District find objectionable if they even know about it. And I just would like to have known the backstory on how such a musical performance gets approved by school officials. And I wanted to know, did they receive any protests from parents or were parents given an opt-out option when it came to bringing kids over from the junior high school to watch a musical that if you look at it online, a lot of people say it's not appropriate for anybody under the age of 14. I did not get a call back Wednesday. I did not get a call back Thursday. And shockingly, I did not get a call back today. So if you live in the Pickerington district and you just approved a big, fat bond levy for construction of new school buildings, you can be whatever you want to be, heartened or depressed by the fact that your administration, at least at Pickerington North, is not the least bit accountable on the decisions that they make. Now, Joe Biden is not accountable. We didn't hold him accountable in the midterms. He did not get spanked like he should have. But rest assured, Joe Biden is, as he always says, whether it's the border or whether it's the economy, or whether it's gas prices. He is doing what? Say it with me, kids. Everything he can, right? Is he doing everything he can? Of course he's doing everything he can. He says that time and again. Doing everything I can. Well, yesterday, the Environmental Protection Agency announced that a large idle oil refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands will, what, open up and ramp up production right away and start churning out 600,000 barrels of crude oil per day, turning it into gasoline and heating oil. That would seem to me to be fall under the heading of something that Joe Biden would do if he were indeed committed to doing everything he can to lower gas prices. No, no, no. Instead, the EPA announced yesterday that the large idle refinery in the U.S. Virgin Islands will remain shut down until it acquires a new Clean Air Act permit all amid a national diesel fuel shortage. Now, when did this refinery shut down? It shut down in June of 2021. Let me think. Who was president in June of 2021? All right, it was Joe Biden. Uh, Because the refinery was given a citation for violating air quality standards in the U.S. Virgin Islands. And so now it can only reopen if it receives a detailed air quality analysis from the EPA and that it is subjected to 
air pollution control technology. Meanwhile, we have 26 days of diesel fuel remaining here in the United States. Uh, And I forgot to add, diesel fuel is roughly $1.58 more per gallon than it was in November of last year. So this refinery did produce in its heyday under Trump gasoline and heating oil, which is a form of diesel, from the 600,000 barrels of crude oil that it could process and turn into finished product per day. Per day. The Biden administration shut it down. Heating oil is going to skyrocket this winter. Less demand. More demand. Less supply. Um, So, that falls under the heading of saying you're doing everything you can, but not, in fact, doing everything you can. When's the last time we built an oil refinery here on U.S. shores or offshores? Uh, That would be more than 50 years ago. More than 50 years ago is the last time we built an oil refinery in the U.S. of A. We're on borrowed time with our fuel, particularly with Democrats in charge. But maybe they won't be in charge forever. Maybe in 2024 there will be a dramatic reversal of this policy only if a Republican is elected president. And in that realm, Donald Trump, of course, announced his candidacy this week. And the, it's hard to say, is Trump the elephant in the room or is Ron DeSantis, whether he's running or not, the elephant in the room? There might be more than one elephant in that room. Which is the elephant in the room, Alan? Trump declaring or DeSantis lingering out there with everyone wondering what he's going to do? Well, since he hasn't declared, I guess it's Trump. Yeah, Trump's the elephant in the room. DeSantis is the elephant lurking outside the room, yeah. threatening to break down the walls. Yes. And for those of you who think, ah, DeSantis doesn't have a chance against Trump, hmm. the Economist YouGov poll released last week found that Republican voters want DeSantis over Trump 46 to 39 percent. And independents want DeSantis over Trump by a bigger margin, 34 percent to 21 percent. Now, of course, for all voters, DeSantis has a huge lead because at this point in time, since he's not the Republican nominee, he is not more evil than Trump. But once he is the Republican nominee, he will be more evil than Trump, at least on MSNBC and all other networks except Fox and Newsmax. DeSantis beat Trump in every demographic that the poll measured except among Hispanics where they were tied at 37 percent. Men, DeSantis was plus six. Women, he was plus 20 Whites, DeSantis, plus 15. Blacks, he was plus 17. You want women and blacks to vote for your candidate? Ron DeSantis, at this point in time, has a higher popularity rating than Trump. Among 18 to 29-year-olds, DeSantis was plus 12. It was close among 30 to 44-year-olds, 1% for DeSantis. But among those 45 to 64, that's our age bracket, Alan, DeSantis was plus 18. And people 65 and older, he was plus 19. He was ahead of Trump when they surveyed people by income levels as well and suburban and inner city. So, there you go. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.